Hi, I'm Alexandra. And I'm Anna, and we are the Russian Sisters. Welcome to our podcast. A show we created to talk about hard things. And also to bring some levity to your lives. Alexandra is a mom and occupational therapist. And Anna is a school counselor. And together we share our life stories. And crazy adventures. We aim to make you smile. And let you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. Enjoy our latest episode from The The Russian Russian Sisters. Sisters. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Hello, hello. We are so excited to be spending another afternoon with you or morning or evening, wherever it is you are. That is right. How are you doing today, Anna? Well, you know, Alexandra, when it rains, it pours sometimes in life. Do you ever find that to be true? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, I had the pinched nerve. You did. Well, it was like a muscle thing first and then it became a pinched nerve. Yeah. And then the the pitch nerve got worse. It and did. then finally, I talked to someone from the doctor's office and they're like, you know, we'd really like to see you. So why don't you come on in? And I was like, okay, fine. I'll come in for a doctor's appointment. And so I set an appointment. And then you know what happened the day before I was supposed to go to the appointment? What happened? I got sick. <laughs> <laughs> I caught a cold or something, an upper respiratory something. So then I got to cancel my appointment to go about the pinched nerve, which funny seems to be healing on its own now. But I was there for a few days there. I was like, I can't really move the muscles in my arm or it's very painful. And I also have this cold and I was just feeling kind of defeated there for a little while. Um, I could see that. I wonder if this like pinched nerve stuff, do you think that kind of it's just stuff moving out of your body and turned into a cold? Yeah. You know, who knows Al? I know for sure. Like we've talked about like energy work and the fact that the week before this all happened, it was a big week. There was a lot of grieving and loss and um, it was just a very stressful time in my life. And then my body like physically manifested these things. And I was like, I hear you. Like, did it take getting knocked over the head with some sort of infection for me to have to slow down? I Okay. Well, it sounds like it. It sounds like maybe you got kind of like, you weren't listening. And so you got it kind of in the face. Apparently. I mean, I'm not letting it slow me down really, because it's not like I took a day off of work, but I did have to go to the doctor today. I had another phone call with a, you know, I do appreciate that I can just call and ask to have a doctor call me back or a nurse call me back without having to go in for an appointment. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I agree. That is like a nice perk. And sometimes you can just, depending on what you have going on with the Kaiser, you can do like a a tele appointment. And so that is nice. Yes. So I did that today um, because my cough got worse Mm. and she ordered some meds for me, but then she's like, I'd really like for you to go in for a COVID test. And I was like, blah. Um, cause I still have a home test at home, but like, since I had it back in May, it was like, I'm sure to positive. And she's like, yeah, home tests, they still, there are a lot of false positives. I'm like, then why are we still taking them? Trying not to be negative Nelly, right? Like I am trying to see the silver lining and not have my pity party for myself that I'm like <laughs> going into a, a long weekend and trying to still be upbeat. Yeah, well, and the long weekends might actually be a nice thing for you to, I don't know, rest or something. Yeah. Catch up on some, sh- catch up on some, uh, on some documentaries. Oh, I hope there are some new ones out on Netflix or Hulu <laughs> or Shmamazon that you can check out. 
Who was it you were talking to where you guys both said that you've worked your way through all the documents? Was that Bob, Uncle Bob? Did you guys? Probably. Were you mm-hmm. I think both so. tapped out of Netflix because you got to, uh, you got through it all? Well, and it's funny, um, like with some friends who are like, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? And you're like, yup, 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 check, check, check. Mm-hmm. That cracks me up. I know. I am looking forward to sleeping in though. I, that's I good. That. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's good. I don't know what that means. That's something I know. That and I, you're right. Like, I feel bad saying it because I know you have a child and a young one at that. So he's nah. not like self-sustaining that he could just go downstairs and pour himself a bowl of Cheerios yet. No, I have sent him downstairs though. If he's gotten up super early, I've been like you, I'm still sleeping. So you get to go find a place to play. And he That's does. That's awesome. He does. That's really um, cool. But I'm sorry that you are not feeling well. And then of course I'm like, we have to record. <laughs> Well, we got to keep the ball rolling. You know, as they say, the show must go on. (laughs) The show must go go on. on. (laughs) Rain or shine. Horrible British accent on my, (laughs) which cracks me up. I was going to talk about this, but he has a book. I don't even know where we got it, but it's a Thomas the Train book. And one side is one story and then you flip it over and the other side is another story. That's adorable. Yes. And just recently I started because it is a British show. I just started reading the book to him in a horrible British accent (laughs) and he doesn't seem to care. He's like, whatever, mom. (laughs) I'm sure it's perfect. But it just kind of cracked. I cracked myself up. I cracked myself up. You were in acting school once upon a time. I did. It was um, not a favorite moment of mine. But yes, I begged my parents to put me in an acting class and they did. And I hated it. You did? (laughs) Oh, it's horrible. Okay. I'm glad you brought this up because this will tie into one of the things I wanted to talk about today. I was so incredibly awkward. I was eight years old. I had no self-confidence. Who does at eight? But literally no self-confidence. I was so excited to do this. And they wanted us to walk around like dinosaurs and monsters. And then we were actually in a commercial, but I was the only kid where we had to take these little capes and we had to throw them over our bodies and collapse onto the ground. And I was one of the most uncoordinated children you could ever find. And my little cape just went flying right over my body and bunched up my head. Everyone else was covered so neatly. I was like, no, this is so not what I thought acting would be. And I really wanted to do plays and get into that but they were adamant that for children actors you had to be monsters first yes you have to learn how to be a tree yeah (laughs) have you not ever seen acting classes on tv well the way they portray them on tv (laughs) yeah but what's interesting is I was reflecting today I actually went to the pool with buddy and our mother for a little bit and buddy at one point was like no mama I'm going in the pool with Bobby. That's what he calls our mom. Bobby, I'm going in the pool with Bobby. You stay and sit. And I was like, okay, we'll go for it. And I was watching some other children and there were these two girls and they were probably like 11 or 12 year range. And then there was this other little boy who was probably four or five and he was following them around. And I don't think they were related to each other or knew each other. Cause at one point I heard one of the girls be like, why are you following us? We don't like you and you need to go away. And so he was holding on to this bucket and like a, a like deflated volleyball. And she's like, that's my stuff. You need to give it back to me. And I just piped up because I'd already heard someone else say like that came from the lost and found. I was like, I'm pretty sure that ball's not yours. And she just <laughs> looked at me 
I was like, I'm pretty sure it's from lost and found. And she's like, Oh, is it? And I was like, well, you just said it was yours, but now you're not sure. I was <laughs> not, I was so rude. And then I was like, and I don't know about that bucket. And she's like, my mom said, and I had already seen that her mom had left. And she's like, my mom said the bucket's ours. And I was like, could be, but you weren't playing with it. And she's like, ah, <laughs> and I was just struck. This went on for probably 20 minutes watching these girls, like try and go to another side of the pool. And first of all, a pool is huge. Okay. So yeah. at first I was like, maybe he's not following you. It turned out he was, but he's <laughs> also like five years old and all he wanted, you can see that all this little boy wanted was to connect with these girls and have some like relationship and just watching them. And I thought to myself, I went, when did that happen? When did these girls get to a point where, right, we all went through it. I know, Anna, you can attest to that. When I was little, you used to complain because I would follow you around. I'm like, but when does that shift happen? And is that something that just happens with hormones and getting older? Or is that something we project onto our kids? Let me go on a tangent for a second, and then I'll come back to this. Because <laughs> there's a reason all of this. I know it's all jumbled, but it's, it, it all makes sense. So when I was in massage school, you learn all about like the different muscles in the body. You have to learn the whole skeletal system and you have to understand how it all works together and all the biomechanics. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, my gosh, they warn you. You are going to see what is happening biomechanically for everybody, which is true because I'm like, oh, you have a hip issue going on. Oh, you look like you may have had a knee replacement at one point. Oh, something's going on with your back. Right. It's like when people like study the DSM four, five, six, yes. whatever it's on now. And now you see it everywhere. Yes. So I kind of feel like that now because I'm like really trying to dig into my self-worth and connection and understand relationship between people and ourselves and society. And now I feel like I see this stuff socially everywhere where I'm like, why are you so upset with that person? Like, what core belief do you have? Right. <laughs> but I just wonder with these kids, I'm like, when does this shift? happen where or maybe I just watch like kids in general want to connect they want to have that relationship they want to connect with each other and then at some point it seems like all of a sudden we start attaching to differences or why that person can't relate to you or why like I don't know if it's we all want to be special and we all are I have a story about that too but I'll let you chime in because I've been kind of dominating the conversation but I just, well, I, I got a little sad. I got a little sad. Yeah. And it's like this thing that naturally happens. And I don't know if it's like Piaget and the stages of development, but there are definitely periods in a, in a human's life where these shifts happen, happen where they happen. <laughs> and in girls, there's like this weird change that happens around eight or nine years old. And it's like a switch. And all of a sudden they go from being this cute little like, oh my God, look at your cheeks and you're fun to do everything with to like this sassy pants, salty, (laughs) I don't know, like so sassy sometimes. And then you start to see, and I think it's around that age that, yeah, it is really sad. You start to see this like loss of that innocence as the children grow into these young adolescents or pre-adolescents and then the hormones take over and then they're aliens for a few years and then they come back to be some semblance of a human being but you know I don't know someone posted something recently on social media about like the state of the world if you will and how like snarky and mean people are Mm. and yeah, I don't know, call it pandemic woes or whatever, but I don't know if it's a result of that, but there's certainly been a shift in humanity 
and lack of just like patience and grace for people. So on one hand, it's very developmentally appropriate or like typical, shall we say, for the shift to happen in that sassy pants thing that happens in young people. But then also just as an overall overarching, overall arching universal thing, I think um, I've noticed definitely a shift in lack of kindness on people's parts. And it's so weird. It's like as individuals, people talk about like the necessity for kindness. And then when it actually gets put into play, you're like, whoa, people are mean and really selfish. I agree. And then part of me wonders, like, do parents just, do we just put our anger on our kids and then it becomes a stage of development? I don't know. And of course, there's also the brain growing. And I understand that. Like, that's why we have the terrible twos and threes, right? The brain and the amount of learning that's happening creates so much for a child that they can't even work through what is happening to them. And so because they can't verbalize it, you get these tantrums. And I can understand. So maybe that's what happens at that eight or nine. And you're right. I do think that there is something going on in society as well. I think as a person who struggled so much to connect with people and have had to reevaluate my relationships and how I was as a kid and in college and even in adulthood, I just get a little nervous for Buddy because he Buddy is like so he just cracks me up because he's getting into a really friendly stage and he wants to, you can see that he wants to connect and he'll ask me like, what's her name? What's his name? Who is that? And, you know, adults seem to be pretty open and okay with it, but I can already sense he's three and I can already sense from other kids that they're like, could, could care less. They're like, don't bother me. Just don't bother me. I know. And he's going to get his little feelings hurt. And it's like, ugh, it breaks your heart to watch it. And you know that it's part of life, I guess. I don't know. I don't like it. Well, and I, so I started talking to him. I have a neighbor who has, I would say, distasteful, is that the word? A bumper sticker. And when I see this bumper sticker, it just kind of messes with me a little bit. And so we're in the car and we end up following him into our neighborhood the other day. And I just started talking out loud and Buddy was like, what's wrong, mama? And I I was just like, you know, someone we know has an opinion and I don't happen to like that opinion. And I feel like this person could have expressed their opinion in a nicer way. And so then I'm like, right, he's three again. And I'm like, people are going to have opinions we don't like, but we can still find ways to love them. And even if they hurt our feelings, we can acknowledge that. And then we can, you know, come around to a place of love or understanding that that person's allowed to have that opinion and we can still be nice to them. Yeah. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. But I'm like, maybe I can just start planting the seeds now because there is so much of that if we don't agree that we can't coexist kind of thing. Or maybe it's that we can't relate to each other. We can coexist, but we can't acknowledge or, or relate to each other. Well, I had an interesting conversation with someone related to my profession. Perhaps it was a person who has a parental role, if you will. <laughs> and um I had just done what we call a restorative conversation with some students, and I was calling the parents to let them know that their children were involved in this restorative conversation. And first of all, when I used that language, the parent was like, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, you're right. I'm using verbiage that you probably don't use on a regular basis. So I explained what the process was, and then it was just a form of conflict resolution in that the students had an opportunity to talk about what the issues were, try to get to the core 
of why there was a conflict, own their parts in it, talk about their perceptions of what happened, who is impacted by this whole thing, what their responsibilities are, and then they come up with some solutions for moving forward. So it's a, it's a really cool process and has proven to be super effective in many ways, not all, and in not all dynamics would I engage in this, but when it's like normal peer conflict, it's a pretty good strategy. So I'm calling parents, let them know that their kids did this. And most of the parents were really receptive. And then there was this one parent who he was concerned that I had conducted this conversation with his kid and someone who is in a bullying position. And I was like, oh, no, 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 that wouldn't be appropriate. And and so I think he was thinking that it was like another conflict situation that his kid might have been involved in because his perception was like, I tell my kid that if these people are going to rise to this occasion, like you get to defend yourself. And it was like, he was justifying that if someone's mean to me, it justifies me being mean back to you. Mm. And I, well, I was told I handled it kind of with grace. Uh, Someone was overhearing my, my side of the conversation. And I'm grateful that I did handle it with grace because I have a really hard time when adults advocate for their kids to handle conflict in completely unproductive ways. It just makes my job that much more harder. Oh gosh. I feel like this could go in so many different directions. I understand that. And it is harder. I was just talking with my neighbor earlier about this, where it's like you have a parenting style and how do you handle people who have other parenting styles or who are giving information in, I mean, there are little examples. Um, and actually my therapist works with me on this of being like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's what that family does. And that's totally fine. It's just, we do something different uh-huh. and to kind yeah. of normalize that. The bullying thing is so hard for me. And I have no idea how I'll handle this as buddy gets older, because I do feel like sometimes and not your school, cause I know you're on top of it, but I do feel like sometimes bullying is not really addressed or handled. Not to say that anything physical has to happen or being mean. Now, let me say this. If someone's mean to you, no, it's not okay to just be mean and go down to their level. 100%. I just like the bullying thing is the one and we don't necessarily have to go in that direction today, but that's one that's just a conundrum and I don't stress over it, but I'm like, I don't even know how I would handle that. And I'm hoping that buddy never is bullied, but I've seen it where it's just not addressed and then kids are terrorized. Um, Yes. No, 100%. And I have heard the horror stories where people have gone to schools and they feel nothing has been done and nothing's been done. And then the bully just continues to, you're right, terrorize. And this parent, this parent relayed that his child was talking about processing through thinking about how to come in and talk to the adults at school. And this parent let me know that instead of saying, yes, that's a great idea, this parent was like, well, you know, there's probably nothing that they could do about it or they won't do anything about it. And it was like discouraging their kid from coming and talking to us because this person probably had their own experiences and was totally laying their experiences onto this kid instead of like having faith that we indeed might do something about it because we are really responsive. We also do a lot of preventative stuff, but I cannot control children 100% of the time ever. Like I never make promises that I can like 
keep people 100% safe because we are human beings with our own wills and brains and motives and all that jazz. I just found it interesting, like this parent's perspective. And I was like, God, like, and then after a while, I was like feeling really bad for the kid who grows up in that really negative environment, like very pessimistic environment. Oh, completely. And I, I do agree that it does sound like that parent was definitely like projecting their experience onto their kid, which is not cool. I wanted to go back to the perception piece of it, right? Because obviously this parent's perception is that nothing's going to happen. There's no point in talking to an adult. And I'm all for that, for like just FYI, for those listening who are like, what are you saying? Because I definitely think that there are ways to address conflict and to follow those. And then if you exhaust those and it's not working, then figure out another tool. But years ago, I worked for a company and I had someone who would, oh my gosh, this situation was so bad. And now, now that I feel like I have a different understanding of life, I'm like, oh my gosh, the situation was so horrible. But essentially I worked with a guy who thought that we should connect because we both had lived in Colorado at some point. I wasn't living in Colorado at the time. And I just kept saying, I don't want to hang out with this guy. We worked together. We had a fine working relationship, but it turned out he wanted to be friends with me. Really, it turned out that he wanted to have sex with me. And I said, no, he had a reputation. He had like four or five kids and the kids he had were from having affairs with married women. And so I just, yeah. So I just decided I didn't want to be friends with him. And I thought that that was okay, except he complained to management and I was definitely working in a good old boys club. So he complained to management and management came to me and handed me a book on how to be a friend. And I was like, what? And in my, I just, I read it because I really internalized that what they were saying was true. Like I must not be a good friend and I must want to have sex with this guy. And because I didn't, and he tried to play it off that that wasn't it. It was just that I made his work life really hard. Oh my God. I know. Well, I'm getting to the point of this. So the manager though, who gave me this book and like tried to talk me through all of this, he came to me once and he's like, perceptions are reality. And I always hated that phrase. And I couldn't figure out, I didn't have the words to say why, it just never felt right. And here's why. Your perception is your reality. My perception is my reality. Your perception is not my reality. (laughs) And it has just, it's totally appropriate, I think, to understand where someone is coming from and what their perception is. But that does not mean that that creates my reality and that there's something wrong with my view of the situation. Not only that, but your perception is not greater than my perception. Like your perception of what your reality is, is not better or worse than mine, just different. So why is there weight put on that? Well, this was just a very dysfunctional work (laughs) work environment I was in. And that was not the only thing. And I'm so grateful, like by the time I left and then they were like, wait, come back. I was like, nope, you guys like, pushed me out the door enough and berated me and beat me down. I'm out. But I agree. Like there's no, there's no inferiority or superiority with this and there's no comparison. It just is. And that's why they say like the truth is somewhere in the middle, which I believe is true that it's somewhere in the middle. And so I think the restorative practice you do is great because that also helps kids understand that there are other perceptions, there are other viewpoints to the same situation. And we've talked about this before, like when there were four of us who saw the same event and all four of us, like literally were in the car, saw the same thing happen and then had four different. Yes. What happened. But I think it's 
awesome that you guys do this so that kids can start to learn that now. And it, I think it'll do much more service to them in adulthood of understanding that or being able to go, oh, wait, I get it. Like without making the assumptions, like you must have gone after me or because you were so upset or whatever, you know, versus like whatever the situation is. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. There were so many things about the story you just shared that I wanted to scream about, but I did want to go back to something you were talking about bullying and not sure how to like direct buddy when it does come to that point. Should it come to that point of having conflict? And I guess we always teach like, especially at this age, the age of the students that I work with middle school, I want them to be able to advocate for themselves and I want them to learn how to first try and solve the problem on their own. And if after they do that, like it's not effective, then come and involve me. Like if you try and stop a situation or tell someone to stop behaving a certain way because you don't like it and you use your words and it's still not effective and the person's still being a jerk back to you, then come and get me because that's where then I step in. And I know, I 100% know there's so many families out there that are like, oh my gosh, we did that. We involved the adults and the situation only got worse. Well then, okay. Like there's something truly wrong then with the kid who's perpetrating the bullying behavior and steps need to be taken to take care of that or whatever family situation. And so we are not afraid of getting law enforcement involved if there's like a harassment or bullying situation or, you know, if things get out of hand, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to take it to that level and also do a lot of counseling because from where I come from, bullying is a learned behavior and kids who engage in that behavior learn it somewhere. And chances are things aren't awesome for them and they don't feel good about themselves and they need some love and attention in a positive way that maybe they're not getting. So I see that point of it. And I also have seen the victim side where it's like, we've come to you, you did nothing, nothing's changed. My kid's still targeted. And then we, like I said, escalate the situation up the chain as is needed, but it's all very complex. There's no easy answer. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I do agree that it's learned and that that person is craving something that they're not getting. And this is how they're expressing that. I know we talked about the whole preschool thing, but I recently was just looking at a charter school in the area because I have a school contract I've mentioned that too, I think, but a school contract one day a week and this school teaches all the kids take Spanish mm-hmm. um, from kindergarten up. And that's been a big thing for me. I would love for Buddy to start getting some exposure to other language. And Spanish has been a big, big one that I've been like, I think it would be so useful. And so I found this charter school that's not far from where we live. And I started looking at the reviews and then usually I'll try and find reviews on different sites. But on all, all three different sites that I found, they were saying that like their kid was terrorized and bullied and nothing was ever done. And I was like, hmm, no, thanks. 
Well, and the thing about that is because I see that all the time. And there were some people who felt that way about my school, that my school several years ago was a place where like nothing was ever done about bullying. And you have to be very careful about like Facebook pages. God loves the parent Facebook pages. But I want to know the school's perspective because I also know the admin side of the coin. And I know that there are things that are being done. And because of FERPA and other protection of privacy laws, you can't share with people necessarily what's happening. And so that's always kind of been a pet peeve of mine when people are like, I went to the school and they didn't do anything about the situation. And I always want to know, again, the other side of the coin, like what's the other side of that story instead of just taking that at face value? Yeah, I 100% agree. And I don't, again, when I was reading these, I was like, I've known that people will blow up doing reviews and stuff when they're pissed. Like one person could do multiple names. I know that there are things in place now to try and prevent people from having multiple accounts to do that. Because we're talking about kids and this connection and, and bullying and stuff, I listened to a podcast on Goop. I do like the Goop podcast. And this guy, his name is Matt Rickdahl. I'm trying to see if I can bring up, oh, I lost his info, but he wrote a book. And one of the things he talks about is creativity and how there's been some neuroscience research that shows that by fourth grade is when kids start to show and internalize a little bit more of the limits that parents put on them when they're younger, which would kind of fall in line in that zero to seven that we talk about. Like zero to seven is when you get a lot of the blueprinting and then you internalize it after that. And what he was saying is that like, like we say no a lot, right? Like that's usually the first word kids say. And, but around that fourth grade time is when kids like their imagination decreases a little bit. And it doesn't mean that they don't have that creativity. It just means it's a period of time that they kind of lose a little bit more of that uninhibited creativity and fearlessness. And I found that really interesting because, um, and I'll link, like I can link this episode um, if anyone wants to check it out and also to his info. But one of the things I found interesting is like Buddy loves swimming. He loves it. And Mm -hmm. we still do a weekly swimming class and he just loves, I have to like prep him and be like, you cannot jump in until your teachers tell you because he would totally jump in and just go to one of the little platforms they have. So These two women were sitting next to me though. And he's just like having a ball during swimming and he's playing around and the teachers are keeping an eye on him, but he's definitely a little bit more adventurous. And I don't think at first they realized that I was mom, but they're like, wow, look at that fearlessness. I mean, no fear at all. He's just going for it. But I could also sense that they were super uncomfortable, like very uncomfortable with how much he was quote, being adventurous or are having this fearlessness because they're like, oh, 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 you know, doing this whole thing. And I'm like, he's got goggles on. He can see the platform. And there were a couple of times he had held his breath a little bit longer than makes me comfortable. But I was like, his instructors are there. They've got to figure this out. And he does too, right? Kids have to learn that limit. And I do have to talk myself down sometimes of being like, let him explore a little bit more. Like my discomfort does not mean that he has to have a limit. But it just like I had listened to this podcast about kids losing their creativity and then listen to these women who are like, oh, oh, he can't. Oh, is he is he going to be is he coming up? Is he coming up? And I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine. (laughs) Right. And then once they realized I was mom because he was waving to me, they were like, oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
it just, again, made me reflect on how much we just put on our kids. And it's mostly out of safety and out of our own fear of safety and that security and stability. But then to see that there's this actual moment where it starts to impact kids. And so then they lose that creativity kind of made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. And it's putting like parameters on them. And you're so right. Oftentimes, maybe not always, but oftentimes it's because of our own fears that we put the limits on the kids. Yeah. And it's a good reminder, I think, of just, you know, figuring out how far you can let a kid be more creative or see their environment. I know I, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Dang it. (laughs) All right, Anna, you go. And then maybe I'll get my thought back. Limits on kids because of our own fears. Oh, there you go. Yes. Because I was, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy, I was thinking the other day about how when you're working with a trainer or if you're training for an event or you're doing a sport, anytime I've trained for something, it's like anytime you're ready to quit, there's another 10% ready to go. Right. And so I was trying to apply that to how it works with kids. Like when I start to feel upset, or not upset, but a little challenged or a little nervous for Buddy. I'm like, you have another 10% to go. Like he's, yeah. just give him that extra space. Um, but it's a wrap. I have to remind myself often, you know, just to back it up, hard. mom. Back it up. I mean, you know, within the bounds of safety, right? Safety first. And you, you don't want your kids to end up hurt or injured for sure. And so that's always a consideration. But I, I agree. Like you also want them to be adventurous and take risks. And how else are they going to learn that unless we loosen the boundaries a little bit and let them explore and let them adventure and um, let them test the boundaries on their own? Yes. And I had someone, one of my old clients, his mom one time, she would stop saying, be careful or watch out because she wanted them, her boy, she had three boys and she wanted her boys to figure that out on their own. She also stopped, I think saying, be good and started saying, have fun. And so I've started doing that. Like when buddies with someone else, I'm like, have fun. Or if I drop them off at daycare, I'm like, have fun. Instead of being like, better be good. Or you better listen. Or I'll tell them sometimes like, Hey, you got to put your listening ears on, but I'm trying to do more of like the have fun. So I'm not like, you better be like this kind of thing. Well, and hold on to that thought about feedback. Maybe we can come back to that next episode um, because there's a whole book and culture of thinking and ways of giving feedback that actually enhance education and experiences for kids. Now, all people really, I've started to incorporate feedback in a different way, even with myself and my peers. So stay tuned for that, Al. Hold on to that, will you? Yes, because there's that whole growth mindset and that is not how I got feedback. So I'm trying to figure out ways to incorporate that for him so that he can have a little bit more of that intrinsic motivation and self-worth. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, Well, with that, Alexandra, we have come to (laughs) the end of our show for today. And I do have an STW joke of the day. Let's do it. Given that we were talking about school-related things, I have a school-related STW joke of the day. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Why did the math book look so sad? (laughs) I don't know why. Because of all its problems. (laughs) That's actually a really good one. I'll give that one credit. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to go into a choking fit if I start laughing too hard. 
All right. Don't do that. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Share us. Leave us a a review. We're trying to get to at least 35 reviews. So uh, leave us a a nice review if you would. Check us out. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Love ya. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Russian Sisters. To connect with them, go to therussiansisters.com. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.